As uh, you may remember, we, before uh, we did a Christmas series, we were in a series in the book of James called Authentic. And we're going to jump back into that today. And trust me, if you're here for the first time or if you're watching online, you will not have missed a thing because James is a, literally you could preach the book of James. It's very topical. You could just preach these standalone messages. And so we're in chapter three today. So if you have a Bible, turn to James chapter three. And I want to take a moment to welcome everybody who's watching online from all over the world and our country. We're so grateful to have you with us here today. Well, chapter three of the book of James is very practical, very relevant, but I'm going to tell you this, very straightforward and very powerful. And it is the topic, ready? It's going to hit all of us, how to tame the tongue. Several years ago, I had just watched several of you look at each other and say something. I don't know what you said, but hopefully it was nice. Um, Several years ago, I, I read some statistics about words The average American has 30 conversations a day. We will spend a fifth of our lives talking. In one year, our conversations would fill up 66 books at 800 pages a book. That's a lot of words. There are some people who like to talk but have this incredible ability to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. Does that, does that ring a bell with anybody? Or do you know anybody like that? It just seems like, man, they just say crazy things at the wrong time. Well, I read this funny story and I thought I'd start things off with this funny story this morning. Um, it, it was the first day on the job and uh, he was a new clerk in the produce section of a supermarket. And a, and a lady came up to him and said that she wanted to buy a half a head of lettuce. And he tried to dissuade her from her goal, but she persisted. And finally he said, I'll have to go back and talk to the manager. And so he went to the rear of the store to talk to the manager and not noticing that the woman was walking right behind him. When he got into the back of the store, he said to the manager, he said, there's some stupid old bag out there who wants to buy half a head of lettuce. What should I tell her? Seeing the horrified look on the face of the manager, he turned about and seeing the woman added, and this nice lady wants to buy the other half of the head of lettuce. Will it be all right? Relieved, the manager said that that will be fine. Well, later in the day, he congratulated the boy on his quick thinking and asked, where are you from, son? And the boy said, I'm from Toronto, Canada, the home of beautiful hockey players and ugly women. The manager replied, my wife is from Toronto. To the which the boy said, oh, what team did she play for? <laughs> sometimes the things that come out of our mouths are funny. Sometimes they're not. Our words can get us into a lot of trouble or our words can actually inspire people and breathe life into them. And the book of James talks more about the tongue and our words than any other book in the New Testament. Matter of fact, in every chapter, James mentions something about the power of our words. And today we're going to look at how our words impact our spiritual lives. We're going to discover why our tongue is so hard to rein in and tame. And then we're going to take a look at at what we can do to make our words a source of blessing rather than an instrument of harm. And James gives us in these 12 verses in chapter three, he gives us some some very powerful principles and then a bunch of illustrations on how to tame the tongue. And the very first principle is this, never underestimate its power. 
I believe that a lot of people underestimate the power of words. James tells us that the tongue is a small part of the body, but it is extremely influential and very powerful. How powerful, you ask? Well, James tells us that it actually has the power to bring judgment to our lives. In verse 1, he starts off by saying, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with a greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. James starts off chapter 3 with a very strong word specifically to, to, to those who teach in the church. And he says, not many of you should be teachers. Now, why does he say that? Well, because teachers in the church are responsible for teaching the word of God, the truth of God's word. They are responsible to make sure that when they are teaching, teaching that they are handling God's word with accuracy and with care and not full of their own opinions or teaching some new, new fad that's out there, which there's a lot of that stuff going on. They also should be very careful and, and, and not many people should be teaching according to James because teachers influence the thinking of others and they have the power to lead people off course with their words. There's a real re heavy responsibility. And also because teachers are expected to model the truth that they teach. And so it's a huge responsibility according to James when it comes to teaching in the context of, of not only the church but God's word. So much that James says that teachers will be judged with a greater strictness. In other words, teachers will be held to a higher standard when it comes to their words. Now, I don't know exactly what that looks like, okay? But heaven notices the words that are taught in this church. It notices the words that are taught in our groups, all the way from our preschool kids to our adults. And I can tell you this, that our pastors and directors and elders, they will tell you that I am a little bit crazy. I, I guard very, in a, in a, in a very, um, I guess, heavy way, I guard this stage. I, I guard what is said up here. I guard who stands up here. And, and not just teachers, but I, I guard who, anybody who holds a microphone in their hand. Anybody who speaks up here. You say, why? Well, this verse right here, James chapter 3, verse 1. This verse is a warning to me and every other teacher in any church, but it's also a charge to me as senior pastor, as lead elder of this church to guard what is taught in this church. Then in verse two, James broadens his audience to include every one of us. And he says, we all stumble in many ways. In other words, no one is perfect when it comes to their words and controlling what comes out of their mouths. However, James says, Here's how you can tell if someone is spiritually mature. They're able to control their tongue. They're able to control their mouth. They are able to control their Facebook comments. They're able to tame their tweets. They're able to portray maturity on Instagram. Listen, one of the reasons why so many people have such a hard time in their life is because of the damage that they have done, done, done with their words whether they are spoken or whether they're written or whether they're typed. I can tell you as someone who hires people that one of the very first things I look at when we are hiring someone here to work at Westridge Church is I, I go to their social media page because I want to see how they handle themselves because it tells me about their maturity. When, someone, when we are having elder nominations, which we'll begin to do here in the next few months, I look at what that person posts on social media because it tells me about their maturity. 
Over the years, I've gotten to know a lot of people in the sports world, a lot of coaches, a lot of professional scouts. And I can tell you, this is a fact, a lot of young athletes miss out on big opportunities because they cannot control their words and their actions on social media. The tongue is a crucial and often deadly part of the body. It's like a master switch. You take command of it and you have the potential to bring your world and your spiritual life under control. However, it also has the power to bring judgment onto your life in many ways. James also says it has the power to control our lives. Look at verse three. He says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Now James gives two very powerful insightful illustrations of how Something very small has the power to steer something very large. And first he uses the illustration of a horse. A racehorse may weigh a couple thousand pounds and can travel 40 to 50 miles an hour around a racetrack. And yet a 95 pound jockey on his back can have complete control over that animal. You say, how is that? Because a trainer has placed a little piece of metal called a bit strategically over that horse's mouth. And that small bit being held by two pieces of leather allows a rider to control the horse's whole body. And likewise, James says the tongue is a small two ounce bit of, 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 of flesh that controls the entire direction of our lives. A little bit of a word or a phrase can influence the total direction of your life. Now, those of you that have ever been on a, on a, on a cruise ship before and you enjoyed it, you're gonna appreciate James's next illustration. He says, think about a boat for a moment. Think about a big ship. It weighs today an average of 200,000 gross tons. And yet, a little rudder, a small slab of steel can direct a huge ship out of, an, out of nasty weather and rough seas. And what James is saying, he says, our tongues are like a rudder that steer a ship. It, it is the steering wheel of our lives. And James says, if you don't like the way your life is heading right now, then change the way you talk. Now, like you, I love New Year's. I, I love the whole idea of of new beginnings. I, I love the, the fact that there, with the new year, there's so many new possibilities, new opportunities, new beginnings. I thank the Lord that his mercies are new every morning. The new year reminds us of that. And I think we would all agree in this room or watching online that 2020 was a tough year for all of us. It was, it was hard to stay positive with all of the, the bad news that just seemed to be coming at us every single day. And and quite honestly, it's not really stopped, but 2020, I think, is really a representation of that. But for me, I got to tell you, one of the most disappointing things about 2020 was all of the, the complaining and the negativity and the whining and the verbal and written attacks. It was like everywhere you turn, it was just like there was just attack after attack after attack. And it was everywhere. It was in the media, it was on social media, it was outside the church, it was inside the church, it was in your inbox, in my inbox. I mean, it was a tough time. And, it has, and, and, it, and it's, listen, you may be going through a tough time right now. And it has, for whatever reason, has caused your speech to be negative. All of a sudden, maybe complaining and whining has just become part of your life. And here's my challenge to all of us in the year 2021. 
let's turn the page on negativity. Let's, let's turn the page on complaining and, 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 and whining and attacking one another. Let's become people. Let, let's become the people that find the positive in tough moments. Let's, let's be those that speak words of encouragement and life into the lives of other people. Let's, let's let our words be full of kindness and peace and grace and hope. Here's the truth from James. People who are negative in their speech become negative people in every area of their lives because the rest of a person follows the tongue. So the tongue can bring judgment. It can also bring control. And the James says it has the power to actually destroy our lives. Verse five. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire a world of unrighteousness. This is strong. He says, the tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. James begins verse five with another powerful illustration. He, he, he talks about the destruction of a forest fire. And over the past few years that we've all watched the, you know, on the news, the devastation that forest fires have have had on the western part of our country, especially on the state of California. Matter of fact, back in the summer of 2018, Amy and I were, we were out visiting our son Taylor who was playing baseball in Martinez, California, which is in the northern part of San Francisco. And it was during that time that there were forest fires just out of control in Redding, California, which was over 190 miles away from where, where we were. But yet it was still, it was unbelievable how those fires so far away were impacting our visibility and our ability to breathe. And all said and done, those, four, those fires burned up nearly 230,000 acres, destroyed 1,604 buildings, and cost $1.6 billion of damage before they were contained. And James says our tongue has that kind of power to cause destruction. One careless word can destroy a life overnight. Over this past year, like many of you, I'm sure, we, Amy and I, it's just we had more time on our hands than we've had in a long, long time. So we started watching some, some things on Netflix. And one of the shows that we got into was The Crown. All right, anybody else in here watch The Crown? All right, me and all of the ladies in the room and my wife and a couple men who don't want to raise your hands. Thank you, thank you. Me and you, buddy. Got you too, brother, right there. Thank you, let's talk after church. Um, but, but so it, as you may or may not know, it is the somewhat true, somewhat fictional story of Queen Elizabeth and her family. And this recent season, the fourth season, which we just got done watching, spends a lot of time focusing on Princess Diana's battle with an eating disorder. And, and you know, one might ask, you know, how could a lady who just seemed to have everything, just how could she struggle with bulimia? Well, the entire world knew at some point that she and Princess, Prince Charles had marital issues. They, you know, they eventually got divorced. But in a live interview shortly before her death in 1997, she talked openly about her battle with eating disorders. And, and she described the moment that triggered it. And she talked about the marital issues that she and Prince Charles had. But she talked about a moment. There was, a, there was one instance where Prince Charles, early on in their courting or, or, or marriage, he put his hand on her waistline and said, oh, a bit chubby here, aren't we? And that set off a course of eating disorders in her life. Listen, our words 
can destroy someone's self-esteem. They can devastate relationships. They can ruin a career. They can kill organizations. They can do horrific damage. Look at verse six here. James doesn't mince his words. He says, he says, the fire of the tongue is a world of unrighteousness. It stains the whole body. And then he also says that it sets on fire the entire course of life. Now the word course here in the Greek means wheel. You may have had um, some, some of those firecracker wheels a few days ago at your New Year's Eve celebration, okay? And if you've, if you've never seen one, it's just this wheel and it's got firecrackers. And when you light the center of that thing, it just starts spinning out of control and just, just shoots out firecrackers. That wheel takes off when the center wick is ignited. And that's the picture here that James is giving us. James says, the tongue is the center of life. So when the tongue gets out of control, in other words, it is set on fire, it causes the rest of our lives to start spinning and exploding out of control. There's a chain reaction that takes place and it can cause tremendous destruction. So James says, listen, never underestimate the power of the tongue. It can bring judgment on you, it controls us, and it can destroy. And then James gives us another principle about it. He says, never turn it loose. James says, something with so much destructive power must be carefully watched and consistently controlled. Look at the next illustration he gives us in verse seven. He says, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now, it's amazing to me, and I'm sure it is to you as well. We can get seals to actually clap. We can get dolphins to jump through hoops. We, can, we see people who jump on the back of killer whales and ride them. But no human being, according to James, can tame the tongue. James says our tongues are a restless evil full of deadly poison. In other words, our tongues are likened to that of a poisonous snake. So what are we to do with this small but very dangerous, powerful piece of flesh that sits behind our teeth? Well, the Bible tells us that it must be guarded. Solomon writes in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 23, he says, he who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. David writes in Psalm chapter 141, verse three, set a guard over my mouth, O Lord, keep watch over the doors of my lips. One of the ways to guard your mouth is to guard who you spend your time with. If you spend time with gossipers, eventually their venom will poison your spirit. They will drag you down. I heard this quote one time. A person who will gossip to you will certainly gossip about you. All right? Now I want you, let's go back to, ver, to, to verse six just for a moment if we could because I, James says something that, that I don't want to overlook. He says this. He says, the tongue is set on fire by hell. Now, what in the world is he talking about here? The word that James uses for the word hell here is not the word Hades like we would think about when we think of the word hell and the place, you know, called hell. He uses the word Gehenna instead, which, is, which was in that day an actual valley outside of Jerusalem that was used as a garbage dump. What's James's point here? He is saying just like all of the filth that the city accumulated in the garbage dump in Gehenna, all of the evil of a sinful heart seems to accumulate on the tongue. So how do I guard my tongue? Well, let me just illustrate it this way. Let's say that you have a garden, 
All right, and I mean, you spend a lot of time in that garden. You work in that garden for hours. You plant in it. You weed at it. You you weed it. You water that garden. I mean, you, that garden is just your pride and joy. You spend a lot of time there. And your friend comes along one day, and he or she says, "You know, hey, listen, if it would be okay with you, I'd like to empty all of my nasty trash in your garden." I mean, what would you do with that? Absolutely not. I mean, you'd be like, there's no way that you're going to, I have worked so hard in this garden. I've spent so much time here. This is my pride and joy. No way you're emptying all your nasty trash in there. Listen, your life is like a garden. It bears fruit. It produces incredible things that God has planted. You spend time working on it. Don't let someone pollute that garden with negativity with gossip, with filth. You guard it. You fill it up with positive people. You fill it up with affirming people. You fill up your garden with scripture, with God's word. You allow the Holy Spirit to help you determine what gets in and out of the garden of your life. So you never underestimate the power of the tongue. You never turn it loose. And then James says this, always listen to what it says. What you say with your mouth or with your words says something about you. It reveals your character. It tells what is really going on inside your heart. Look at verse nine. He says, with it, he's talking about our tongue again. He says, with it, we bless our Lord and Father. With it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing my brothers. He says, these things ought not to be so. Here's the picture James is painting for us. We come into church and with this mouth, we sing praises to God. We encourage people. We tell people we love them. We tell God we love him. And then we walk out and on the way home, we get in our car and this same mouth that just praised God tears into somebody who just pulled in front of us on Highway 92. All right. Or we rip into our kids and tear them down because they're too loud in the back seat. Or we talk poorly about someone at lunch that we just had a laugh with in the atrium at church. And James is saying here, that shouldn't happen. Matter of fact, listen to this. James says in verse seven, that when we put someone else down, when we tear into them with our mouth, we are in turn putting down God. When we use our tongues to shred one another, James says we're attacking God because that person has the stamp of God on their lives. They are made in his image. Now, can you imagine looking up to God and saying, listen, you sorry, good for nothing. You know, you worthless this or that. That is what James is saying we do when we talk badly to or about another brother or sister in Christ. That's strong, isn't it? Think about just, just for a moment here. I know we've had a lot of, you know, many of you have been at home for about a week or so during this Christmas break up to New Year's. I mean, think about the words that we've said to our spouse this past week, husband or wife. Think about that. Think about, think about what we've said to our kids. Kids, think about what maybe you've said to your parents or, or to those in authority over you. Think about what we've said to our friends. Think about how we may have devalued someone else in this past week. Believe it or not, and this is what James is saying here. He says, God takes those attacks personally. It can actually hinder our relationship with him. It can clog up our prayer life. And James is saying here that our tongue can be like a Jekyll and Hyde. One minute it's saying loving things. The next thing, next moment it's lashing out. Sometimes it helps mend bones and other times it breaks them. Sometimes it builds people up. Other times it tears them down. Sometimes it brings life. Sometimes it brings death. Why is that? 
Why is it that we have this Jekyll and Hyde-like character that lives behind our teeth? James gives the answer. And this is the key. Don't miss this. The tongue reveals what's in our hearts. This is really all about the heart. Look at verse 11. James says, does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And what James is saying here is whatever is in the well comes out in the water. Whatever is in the tree comes out in the fruit. You see, our problem is is really not with our tongue. Our problem is with our heart. What is inside our heart is going to come out through our mouth. Matthew writes this in, 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 in chapter 12, verse 34. He says, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth does what? It speaks. My mouth will eventually betray what is really going on inside of me. I mean, you may hear somebody say something, man, you know, after they said something crazy, man, I don't know what just got into me. Or it's just not like me to say that. That was totally out of character. And God says, who, who knows our hearts? He says, no, 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 that's just like you. Okay, you can't have a spring that gives salt, water, and fresh water at the same time. What's inside eventually comes out. And so guys, if you find yourself giving into a locker, a lot of locker room smut talk, check your heart. Ladies, if, if you find yourself getting together with the girls and sharing prayer requests, which are actually gossip, you might want to do a heart examination. You know what I'm talking about. Students, if you find your mouth talking back to your parents, being disrespectful, there's something going on in your heart that's probably not good. The tongue is a thermostat to our heart. A person with a harsh tongue has an angry heart. A person with a negative tongue has a fearful heart. A person with an overactive tongue has an unsettled, anxious heart. A person with a boastful heart has an insecure heart. A person with a filthy tongue has an impure heart. A person who is critical all the time probably has a bitter heart. On the other hand, Solomon writes in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 11, that the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Even with all of the destruction and damage our words can do, our words can also be a source of refreshment to people. It can bring people life. It can encourage. It can make someone's day. It can make someone's life. It can help, help someone soar into a bright future. Think of people whose words have changed the course of your life for the better. I think about just even up until a few days before my dad died, I think of words that he spoke over my life that still propel me to this day. I think of words that my mom has said over me over the years, just words believing in me when I needed to hear those words.